Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Reckless A Talk, our TTRPG interview show, where we sit down with some of our favorite writers, players, GMs, and streamers to get to know a little bit more about what makes them who they are. I am, as always, your host, GM Nathan, and I am, as usual, very excited and kind of uniquely a little weirded out, but in a good way, to introduce you to this week's guests, Greg Tito and Shelley Mazanoble. Those names may be familiar to D&D aficionados for several reasons. Firstly, they are both members of the brand and communications team at Wizards of the Coast, the publishers of D&D. And secondly, they are the longtime hosts of Dragon Talk, Wizard of the Coast's D&D interview show. Their new book, Welcome to Dragon Talk, will be released December 5th and details some of their favorite interviews over the last seven plus years of hosting the podcast and interviewing folks like Matt Mercer, B. Dave Walters, Tanya DePass, and many others. Personally, Greg and Shelley were two of the earliest voices that I heard in the D&D world. Their interviews were unbelievably formative for me in those first few years of my time in the hobby. I think there's probably a direct line in kind of the narrative creation of Reckless Attack that begins with their interview with Chris Perkins and Tracy Hickman talking about the writing of Curse of Strahd, one of my favorites. Definitely go check it out. So it was a real pleasure to learn about their love of D&D and the amazing creators that enrich the space. A quick final note, there was a small technical difficulty with Greg's mic in the first 10-ish minutes of the podcast that causes a kind of ringing sound. I tried to edit around it as much as possible, and it does eventually drop out for the remainder of the interview, but wanted to make sure you knew that you could just kind of skip past that point if it makes your ears unhappy and to offer our apologies. Thank you again for listening, and now on to Reckless to Talk with Greg and Shelley. And Shelley, hello! <laughs> what a what, what wonderful enthusiasm to be met with at yeah. the top of the episode. I hope. How are you guys today? Wonderful. So happy, very excited. Although it is got a really bad poor uh, air quality here in Seattle, so I'm glad it's, I'm inside. It's a little little yeah. sad out there today. You know, yeah. the outdoors are overrated. I think we can all agree, <laughs> right? You know, who needs that? Let's let's just stay inside and play Dungeons and Dragons. We uh, are the indoor kids. What That's choice right. did we have? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's not that we're. It's not that we want to and are most comfortable inside. It's well, the smog. Yeah. You know, we have to <laughs> we have to stay inside and play video games and not go exercise or whatever. So, True you that. know, we get it. We get it. Exactly. Cool. Uh, for those of our listeners who may who may have just like hit automatically play and not paid attention to uh, any sort of introductions that I have done at the top of this episode. Could you please introduce yourselves, who you are, your pronouns, your job titles, what you're doing here, all the all the good stuff. Gregory, you want to go? Sure, I am Greg Tito. Uh, my well, my full name is Gregory. That's right. No, <laughs> I don't know why I called you Gregory. A scoop. Gregory, a scoop. It's funny. 
you and you and Kate Welch, the, the people who <laughs> referred to me by my full name. I don't know why. Uh, it's very funny. Uh, but yes, I am the co-host of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, along with my amazing co-host, Shelley. Um, and we wrote a book called Welcome to Dragon Talk that I'm very excited to talk more about the D&D community with uh, some folks within the D&D community. So we're excited about that. And I'm Shelley Mazanoble. My real name is Michelle. And a lot of people don't know that. Like people who know me very, very well are surprised to find out. My name is Michelle. <laughs> um, and I, along with Greg, work at Wizards of the Coast on the D&D team and um, am Greg's co-host and co-author of Welcome to Dragon Talk. So, yeah, super excited to talk to you, Nathan. Uh, yes, I was telling you guys ahead of time. I have been I have been a longtime listener to Dragon Talk, um, and it was first time very, caller. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was very much like formative of me as a dungeon master, as a player, as just a consumer of podcasts. And here here I am also doing a tabletop role playing game interview show. Uh, much credit to you guys. So very very excited to oh, be sweet. talking to you guys generally, but also talking to you about your new Dragon Talk based book. Mm -hmm. um, but but. Let's not let's not rush into things. You know, we don't <laughs> no. we we don't want to get straight to the promo. Let's you know, let's <laughs> marinate in kind of the the getting to know you portion just a little bit. You guys, much like we do, often ask your guests uh, who come from all over the D&D &D and tabletop role playing game sphere sphere. We'll, we'll say that that is I don't know. You guys work for Wizards of the Coast. Is there a preferred geometric shape? Multiverse. Ooh. <laughs> Yes, yes, across the, D &D uh, multiverse. Across the planescape. You guys often, uh, as you're talking to people, ask them, hey, how did you get started in D&D &D and playing tabletop role-playing games? You guys talk about it in your new book, uh, which is coming out December 5th? 5th, yes. Yeah, yes, I remember. Yes. Good job, Nathan. Yes. Nicely done. Um, you guys talk a little bit about kind of your introductions, but for the sake of the listening audience, how did you guys uh, kind of dip your toes and start your journey into Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, which is now what, what you do all the time. Okay. The short answer, my boss made me play. Yeah. <laughs> Tale as old as time, right? I'm Had sure that, I mean, that's like how 90% of the people who play D&D &D got think started. I've, I think I saw that. I think I saw that news article. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, kind of actually, as an aside, along those notes, my friend just sent me a, a meme that said something like, having a crush on someone makes you do really silly things why am i trying to learn how to play dungeons and dragons <laughs> yes i see yeah. <laughs> like yeah you know what a lot of people started playing DD &D probably that way uh, i really liked my job at wizards of the coast it was not on the dungeons and dragons team yeah. until it was because you were magic the gathering is that correct i got originally? hired to work on magic yeah and then after magic i, I worked on almost every brand wizards <laughs> produced <laughs> except D, D. i just and I was fine with that. I was very <laughs> afraid of Dungeons and Dragons. That was a feature, not a bug. It, yeah. Yeah. It was like I would go into meeting rooms after D&D &D games were played and they would leave their silly little maps on the whiteboards and their silly little words <laughs> with all their consonants and apostrophes and like dice everywhere. Like what what are even these dice? Like this just this is not normal. Who are these people and what are they doing? And then I <laughs> Got a job on the D&D &D team, Light Touch. It was on the publishing side because we we started a children's book imprint. And then we also had the adult uh, novels that were based on Dungeons and Dragons. And I loved that job. And I was so excited to have it because as a writer, it was very fun and exciting yes. to work in publishing. And um, 
I was doing it for, I don't know, a few months, kind of hiding my ignorance, <laughs> Re reading all of the kid books that we were publishing about Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, all and, those Dungeons and the Dragons, and the dragons. Which I do know. And eventually it was caught that my I didn't know anything <laughs> about how to play Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, my boss is like, you, could, you, you should probably learn might actually be good for you to do your job here uh and anyway there was i had some other newish co-workers so i ended up in a group with like six six co-workers that were with the exception of one new to dungeons and dragons and the dungeon master was very very experienced and very very dedicated to helping me create my first character and i don't think i'm exaggerating when i said it took us three days maybe to make that character <laughs> <laughs> it was 3.5 edition i like i don't all I, the only thing that i can do is name this character i don't know anything <laughs> else that is happening yep. it was in just there. math and dice rolling and this and this and that i said i wanted to be an elf because that felt very fantasy to me yep and i wanted to be a sorceress because i wanted to be magical and i thought so that, that an elf sorceress sounds amazing and so he he made my character for me. He he literally did everything. I thought I just sat there next to him, like, oh, please make this end. Oh, <laughs> come back, like I no, I have a, something. This is not my job. Um, and then he handed me my mini, which I always have next to me. This is what <gasps> she looked like. Right I know there. not everyone Beautiful. can see it, but I can. Um, That's what's important. She's she gorgeous. She has long, flowy blonde hair. Just like me, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, for the listeners at home, that is factually correct. Very not blonde. <laughs> we will say the nothing fantasy me is contrary. apparently very blonde, and she's wearing beautiful purple slash lavender robes. I mean, like, I probably wouldn't show that much midriff if I was, but she's beautiful. <laughs> and she's had like a, a staff in her hand. And as soon as I saw her, I thought, oh my God, I love her. I think I. I might actually like this game. And we played our very first game. It was in Eberron. And I, within maybe five minutes, I realized, oh gosh, I was so wrong about this game. I had no idea. Why didn't anyone tell me? Why didn't <laughs> anyone tell me that this is just storytelling? It's just making things up. It's going on adventures. It's being this amazing character, like doing things that I'll never get to do in real life. And just the support of my party, like I wanted to protect them and they wanted to protect me. And I didn't care if I got the killing blow or someone else did. It was just like, we did this together, you guys. This is amazing. And it was supposed to just be a one-off. Just like, here, teach these people yep. how to play this game and then carry on. But no, we ended up playing for three years together. Wow. I, like That was like, we have to keep doing this. And we all became very, very close. Like these were people that I mean I saw in the kitchen. I was making my lunch, and I'm like, "Hey, how was your weekend? Cool." And now, like, they all went to my wedding, and one of them even officiated the wedding. Wow, <laughs> he he was the cleric in the party, so it made sense. Very appropriate. Um, so yeah, it was very very eye opening, and boy, was I wrong. But I I like to say like D and D finds you when it's time for you to play Dungeons and Dragons. D&D &D will find you. So I guess my time was not until 2006. <laughs> when it was literally, uh, when you were voluntold to play. When I was voluntold <laughs> to play, yes. What about you, Greg? 
I had a uh, completely different but also very similar story. I was a fan of fantasy. I loved uh, the Rankin-Bass animated version of The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. My brother, older brother at the time, was reading the book, and he was telling me things that were in it and that weren't in the the series. So I devoured so much fantasy literature at the time, um, you know, pulling stuff off of my brother's shelf. And one of the times I pulled off a Dungeon Master's Guide, Mm -hmm. uh, and I just started thumbing through it and understanding that this was a game that was like in a simulated world of these fantasy novels. And I was so enamored with fantasy at the time that I was like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to embody uh, these amazing characters and get to play them. And they were so evocative. Those those descriptions in those books. Uh, We found out later on that that book was like a hand-me-down that we got somehow. So that's how it ended up on my shelf. But once my mom kind of figured out what I was doing, um, was like, mm, I don't know if that's good. There's, you know, there's some demon work in there. You shouldn't do it. And <laughs> I wasn't really able to find any friends, uh, you know, nearby who would be able to do it. I played a couple of times here and there, but nothing ever really kind of co- coalesced. And then when I got to high school and college, you know, the theater um, called my name and I was doing so many shows and working so hard that I didn't really have any uh, free time to to get into D&D. Um, then I was living in New York and I, you know, got married and was living my life there when I realized, huh. I I can play D&D if I want to. And so I found a group there and I this was also the 3.5 era. We played through the Age of Worms campaign and it was just this wonderful storytelling experience. So the dungeon master at the time was illuminating us with all of these wonderful stories of of Mishka the wolf spider and the you know the Dukes of Aqua and I was like, "Oh, this is so great. I love all of it." And uh we you know played through that whole campaign um and the folks in that group Some of them went on to collaborate on uh, fourth edition era uh, stuff, which I find uh, both amazing and gratifying uh, Mm -hmm. that that such a small group ended up having such a huge impact on both all of our lives, really. Um, And I started doing more game journalism and writing about games, uh, mostly video games. I wanted to always write more about D&D. And because I, I was fascinated with it and how it uh, blended all the amazing stuff of performance that I love, as well as um, storytelling and, and maps and, and I, I, there's just so much there, there. <laughs> um, and I wanted to tell the world about it. And luckily enough, I was able to get hired at Wizards of the Coast to do exactly that, to <laughs> tell the world about <laughs> D&D and how cool it is. As uh, I'm now the senior communications manager there. So I deal with um, talking to press about what makes it awesome, as well as our general messaging and everything like that. So it's a dream come true. Part of that was to be able to come and talk on a podcast with Shelly, which was pretty accidental and, uh, you know, amazing that it occurred. But it uh, kind of changed everything from there when I started doing the podcast. And that was like one of your first couple weeks at Wizards of the Coast where you got, where you, well, I, I think I've heard or read different versions. I think Shelley's version was slightly different retelling than your version in the book in a fun <laughs> way where your version, Greg, was like, I made doe eyes over oh, yeah. Shelley to be like, yep. can I be on the podcast maybe? And Shelley's like, I don't know. Uh, I guess Greg was also there. So we added him as a fourth, fourth host. <laughs> I don't remember on. the doe eyes. <laughs> I just remember like, oh, he's our communications manager. This seems like something he should do. Do you want to do do be on this podcast we do? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was such in the make content all the time yeah. mode of game journalism that I was anybody that was like, oh, you want to do something? I was like, yes, yes. Put me on. I didn't even know what the podcast was or anything about it really until I was on it, which was fantastic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was fun to be able to, uh, to, to be on that first episode. I think there was four hosts with, with oh. only one or two guests on maybe there. not even a guest like you were a guest one like one like 
we must have just like all gotten in the room and have been like anyone i guess i don't greg anyone want to talk let's learn about you today well and that's 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 interesting um and and a a nice kind of transition for me because early on and you talk about this in the book but it is a lot of very internal guest kind of things right it is designers it is staff members of wizards of the coast in that kind of early the early days of dragon talk um as you were launching Dragon Talk and as you were kind of looking around the office and dragging people into into spare closets or whatever you could <laughs> spare at the time, um, what what was kind of the, this sounds pretentious, but what was the vision for Dragon Talk? Did you have one or is it just, I don't know, let's sit down and talk and see what kind of comes of it? Like the early, early days, like pre-Greg? Like I, I kind of viewed it at least as a listener was very like there was kind of the internal only uh, arc and then you kind yeah. of started bringing in more creators, more, you know, podcasters, streamers, writers, that kind yeah. of stuff. And it kind of started becoming a very different beast. That was all Greg. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, well, for one thing, we didn't I don't think we even had the technology to talk to people who weren't literally mm. in the building with us. Yeah, that makes sense. So that would limit. So if anybody was like happened to be coming to Seattle or was a Seattle native or in, in the area, we could certainly invite them into the office to do this podcast with us. But we couldn't we didn't have the means to use Zoom or anything to talk to people. Um but Greg was really the one after that that fateful doe-eyed day where <laughs> he got dragged into Dragon Talk which wasn't called Dragon Talk at the time. Um, somehow, like, Bart was involved, Bart Carroll, but he ended up moving over to a, a role on the Magic team, so he, he couldn't work on D&D anymore. So he was he was out. And then Trevor Kidd was one of the hosts, and he kind of phased out as well. And I just remember, like, Greg and I were the only two that <laughs> showed up. We're there. <laughs> and, and Ryan, Ryan Marth, our producer and sound engineer, was like, I guess this is your podcast now, guys. <laughs> You're doing what do you it. What you want to do with it? And yeah. so like, Greg had some really good ideas, which you you can certainly speak about, Greg. But really, like the whole, we, we wouldn't have a podcast called Dragon Talk that comes out on Wednesdays <laughs> without Greg. For sure. Yeah. And it was not a regular uh, occurrence. There was, you know, there was episodes that came out when the you know, timing and everyone's schedule (laughs) allowed. Yeah. Um, There wasn't a regular cadence and I had started listening to podcasts. Actually, I didn't really listen to podcasts until I moved out to Seattle. I actually remember the first um, road trip I took with my buddy bringing stuff out here to Seattle from North Carolina was when we're like, oh, people like podcasts. Let's let's do this serial thing. People keep talking about this. Let's (laughs) listen to serial. We listened to that the whole way through. And I was like, I love podcasts. Mm -hmm. Who knew? Turns out. Right. I had made a few. Uh, I had done some uh, interview podcasts um, at The Escapist. And so I had you know, edited and done them all, but I was not a, a consumer of them on my own. And it was when I started to um, enjoy the kind of weekly cadence of listening to the new podcasts that are coming out that I was like, we should do that for this. Like, this makes total sense. We should brand mm-hmm. it. We should get, you know, our fun little icon on the, uh, you know, uh, Apple podcasts uh site and <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh we you know had a little bit of a branding talk about what we should uh name it what you know what we should bring to it what are we going to call it how are we going to uh describe what it is to people like none of those things had really been done before because there had been such a 
I want I wasn't even a labor of love. It was just like a labor of like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> we need we should have a D podcast. And yeah. uh so we do. There we go. Right. And so and then again, yeah, the technology being able to talk to people on Skype, that changed up everything yeah. because uh and I remember that being like a hard thing to kind of overcome at mm -hmm. first because yep. we were like there's, you know, the whole uh, audio feedback yeah. issue and how do we talk to people once we kind of got that solved uh, and uh, we were using Skype so much that the the call in sound for right. calling someone on Skype was a part of the podcast. I forgot about that. Yes, I remember that very vividly. Yeah. But then I also really remember talking to Rain Wilson in that way. And, and we just started putting more calls out to people. And I particularly was surprised at how many people said yes and how many people would be like yes i do want <laughs> to talk about dungeons and dragons i don't get a chance to talk about it. so we had some like uh comedy writers doing stuff at late night shows early on that was like oh these are really great and important people because i don't really associate comedy with dnd &D, but here we get to do that and then i think that coalesced the idea that the podcast should be about bringing this stereotype yeah. of what a DD &D player is and elevating that beyond what most people, my mom included, thought of the <laughs> fans were, right? And so that was, uh, gave us the preview to be like, okay, we can ask people, you know, we, uh, Shelly and, and, and Bart had spoken to Dan Harmon before then, but we're like, let's get more guests like that. Let's get more guests who are creators in their own right, successful, um, and, you know, get some notoriety around this particular podcast, but then also just about D&D in general, about like this game is not for, um, you know, you need to be social. You need to have all of these, these, these yeah. qualities of creativity around it in order to enjoy and love this game. Um, those are good qualities. Those are things that we can tout as being awesome. And that just became the underlying focus of everything about the podcast was lifting up the, the voices of the community around us. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that was always something that really struck me about Dragon Talk was the breadth of people that you talk to, not just in terms of sheer numbers, because you've been doing it weekly for seven ish years, yeah. <laughs> but, but also that you would talk to, you know, doctors who were using it, you know, in their like psychiatric practice and you would talk to teachers and you would talk to Hollywood actors and you would talk to all kinds of, of people who connected with D and D in their own own ways. Is this still the case? Like still kind of the mission statement for you guys, just finding all of the people who interact with D and D in each way that they do and kind of spotlighting it. Yeah. I'd say that's still the goal. We, Greg and I, you know, we like to say lift you up always like to each other, mm -hmm. but also to like the guests and making sure that people who are doing great work are getting recognized for that work. And just like, you know, shining the, that spotlight on the incredible talent that's within our community and also making sure that people can see themselves represented in the yeah. guests that appear on dragon talk, because that's really obviously very important to both of us. And, you know, I've never lost that feeling back in 2005 or six or whenever it was that Liz Shu made me play Dungeons and Dragons for the first time <laughs> that I did not think this was a game for me. I did not think that I would find my people here or that this would be any sort of escape for me or a creative outlet for me or a safe space for me or just some just general feel good entertainment for me. And I was very, very wrong. And I still like that holds true. And everything that I do is I want to make sure more people find this game that don't wouldn't find this game normally. So I think that's also a crucial part of Dragon Talk is showing that D&D &D is for everyone. Yeah. 
And you don't have to be one type of person. It's no. a well-rounded individual, yeah. right? Like you can, I mean, I, I even see it a little bit in the, the wizard's office. Like I, I'm one of the people who likes sports. I like, I like learning about what's going on in the baseball world and the basketball world. And that can sometimes be like, do you really, you work on D and D and you like sports? I'm like, yes, you can, <laughs> yeah. you could do like, you can like multiple things yeah. and have multiple. Just be a yes. You can just be a person. And, and, and that, that was another big tenant early on was just trying to show that like, you can have a well-rounded slew of tastes and interests. D and D is just one of them and wanted to highlight that part of, of people's lives when they come on. So something that you talk a lot about in your book and something that has kind of always been um, been very apparent is is that kind of ethos of getting a wide breadth of people trying to just find people doing interesting things around and with D&D and bringing them on and talking about it. So mm -hmm. for you guys, and I know you work with, I think, at least one one producer or something to kind of do some research and vetting, but overarching, who is the ideal Dragon Talk guest or what is, or what do you look for when you guys are trying to find someone to bring on the show and, and connect with? It's a good question. I think for someone who's excited to talk about themselves, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not always easy, right? That That's actually a much harder thing than, than, than some people would realize, right? Like, um, but what I think what's, what's really good about what Shelly and I are able to do is even if they're not comfortable we make people feel comfortable kind of right mm -hmm. away. Uh, and so it's not necessarily like you need to be comfortable doing that, but doing the interesting thing, as you're saying, like using D and D as a lens for their, for their creativity in whatever way that is, whether it is through their work um, as, uh, as teachers and educators, whether it's their work as streamers and performers in their own right, or storytellers that we love hearing from folks who are, uh, you know, screenwriters or, or, or creators like that and how D and D was a training ground for them. Right. And they might not necessarily be making anything that's D and D related. It may yeah. not be anything right. that is, um, you know, fantasy in any way, but the, the, the building blocks of how they created story and how they break story are, were forged, uh, around the table when they were kids, you know, playing D and D or, or when they're you know, playing in their weekly group nowadays. So I think that's the only, that's the only unifying feature is something, someone doing something interesting using uh uh D, D or around the the, the scope of D, D. and and kind of to piggyback on that something you can you talk about in the book and i think that wizards has certainly been talking a lot about kind of as as a business as an entity as kind of a presence in the space is is diversity is championing voices that are not the you know kind of like middle-aged white dude players i'd first kind of love to hear just kind of why you guys think that is important and why other people should be thinking that that is an important thing to be doing. Uh, but also how do you go about doing that? You know, how do you go about making sure that your what you guys are doing, the people you are championing, championing are those diverse voices are, are a nice cross section of all the wide variety of people who can play and enjoy D and D. Um, like a D and D party. Everybody take has a role. Everybody is doing something different. Everybody belongs there. Everybody supports each other. I feel like our community is a good representation of that. And I, like nobody has any right to keep anybody out of this community. <laughs> we all belong here. But I do think that Greg has been really instrumental in not just shaping, helping to shape the vision of what Dragon Talk is, but to really sort of put his money where his mouth this wait did i say is it mouth i think so money? right yeah okay well anyway 
And that's evident in the essay that he wrote about Tanya DePass. And I think that was a really inspiring conversation that it was, I was not part of that interview, sadly. Um, I missed that one for some reason, but um, like Tanya talked a lot about what it was like to be uh, black in this community. And it was, I mean, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, Greg, you, you can, you can talk about that, but well, it was a very Chicago based. Uh, yes. Episode, and Chica- essay, right? Chicagoan Tanya DePass. Yeah, exactly. And and Bart was actually the, the uh, co-host for that too. And he's from the Chicago oh. area as well. Yes, yes. Um, so that was really interesting, but yeah, no, I, I had been following Tanya for a long time in the video game space. And I actually didn't know that she was a former D and D player. Um, and it wasn't until I think she had a Twitter thread where she was um, or live tweeting Jeremy Crawford's talk during OrcaCon here on, in, in Bellevue. Uh, and I was like, huh, I didn't realize that she was. Well, let's have her on and have her talk through some of these things. And it was during the course of that interview and that conversation that just a few things kind of clicked into place for me where I had been a, you know, just a middle class white dude with a beard, mm-hmm. uh, not really realizing that that. Uh, amount of privilege that had to be able to to walk into a D store and be able to drop in and play D at any moment tanya had very different experiences sometimes with with different people who brought their um own stereotypes and 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 you know frankly racism to mm-hmm. the the table and i was like that's really sad and then i was like oh, there's really nothing i can do about that and then i thought well i mean there is one <laughs> very small thing that i can do which is to speak to more people of color, more people who have felt marginalized in this D&D community for a long time and hear them and kind of uh, make sure that they know that they're that they're wanted and wanted to be a part of this community and how that makes the entire um, breadth of people who play D&D that much more richer for it. Um, and that's what I did. I just was like, hey, let's make sure we have more women uh, uh, as guests on the podcast, as well as people from different backgrounds, uh, from not the traditional white kid playing D&D background and highlight their stories and not necessarily make a a, a situation where that's what the meat of every interview around right. them is about, but just showing that they are a part of this community because of their love of of rolling dice and making up stories about elves and orcs and, and, and all the druids and fighters and sorcerers that we love to play with. Right. And just hear their voices and their stories and, and highlight them. And I thought that it was the beginning of, of being able to invite more folks to do uh, live streaming shows to show yeah. that a little bit more publicly. And, and, and Tanya was a great instrumental part of that in, in, in creating rivals Waterdeep. Um, back in 2018 and it's still going today i hope they uh, are able to continue their story going all the way up to level 20 they're running an indiegogo right now so if you're interested in continuing to 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 keep that diversity going in the chicago area certainly contribute and make sure uh they are able to keep that going uh and and complete that story so yeah i know it's been and i try to make that a large uh part of 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 this book as well as like how the dnd community was not always welcoming to people who didn't look like uh, everyone else, right? And that wasn't necessarily always intentional. People, as I always say, it was a product of that of the timing. But, you know, I made the conscious decision back then to to kind of work against that and to include. That was something that I would realize, like, in order to fight exclusion, whether it's intentional or not, you kind of have to include. And I think all of the stories and all of the kind of general uh, feeling that D&D is more popular than ever to me, you can't separate it. Uh, and so that was my one 
small thing that I did and and I was very excited to be able to talk about that as something that Dragon Talk was a part of uh, over you know the growth of this community right mm-hmm. so it's just growing and it's becoming more richer because of all this just like as Shelly you started all this just like a D&D party just like a D&D party <laughs> you don't want a party of just rogues got to mix it up in there um I also want to add though it's it's one thing you know the work that Greg and I do on Dragon Talk but like it's also very important for people who open up our books to also see themselves represented in there. And I think mm-hmm. that our team of designers and art game designers and, and art directors and all have, have done a really good job in increasing the diversity of, of the characters that you're going to see on the covers of the book even, and inside those pages. Absolutely. And that was what Tani was remarking on actually in that, that when I, found that tweet thread she was very excited that the uh human fighter uh, is depicted as a black woman with dreads and yep. uh and that she was very excited about that going forward and that was yeah right that started all forward but even before i was there like that was that was happening uh in the art direction of the the player's handbook uh as it was released in 2014 i was very yeah. excited to see chainmail bikinis go away yes. <laughs> we're not, not doing that the the red sonia era had, had passed <laughs> is what you're saying yeah yeah yeah. for sure uh, yeah and that was great that i didn't even realize that as a fan of D going into and being a part of the team in 2015 when i started that that was a you know a a, a an important brand level yeah <laughs> uh, decision that was like we are not going to be portraying women especially as uh, scantily clad or not heroes in their own right. right. And I, I love that that has uh, continued and only expanded uh, over the course of the last few years and, and books that are that are out there. My brain is going in seventeen different directions. <laughs> well, I'm going to do my best to to do one at a time. Uh, first, I will ask. So you guys have been have been doing this again for seven ish years, uh, years yeah. and have talked to a lot of different people. There are not too, too many repeat guests across your 360, I think, eight episodes as of maybe recording something along those lines. Um, and I know as someone who has been who has been doing interviews for this show and just kind of professionally before that I learned so much and changed so much hearing all these perspectives and getting to connect with people. So over the course of of your Dragon Talk careers, how... How have you been changed by the experience, you know, by getting exposed to so many people, so many passionate, excited people, people who love what they're doing um, and and also real vulnerability? Greg, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I many ways. I mean, it's almost impossible to, to, yep, to make sense. Pick one. <laughs> um, but one for me was uh, a little bit more personal. I, I'd been a stand-up comedian before. I'd definitely been on stage and uh, had to do that act of, of trying to get 200 people in a nightclub to like you. Not as easy <laughs> as, as you think it is. Um, each time I did that, I had amazing stage fright. I was I was had a, this well of nervousness, and I never really kind of got over it, even after you know three years of doing that. Um, and I had similar amounts of nervousness each time we started dragon talk back in the day i used to just be like oh God, i hope i'm all right i, used to, I, don't, I don't even know if you know this stuff but i used to have to like psych I myself up in the bathroom and like you know uh throw water in my face and try to like get, like get yeah i i was sometimes more than others i was just like i don't know if i can do this oh my uh, and, god and I, I did not know that part of that was from uh you know i don't know i not 
not not having a sense of self-worth enough mm-hmm. to like be like, oh no, I can do this. But like it, the repetition of doing it every week, having someone that 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 uh, uh, you know trusted and was so complimentary to me, Shelly, it just you know you always lifted me up, and you always mm. uh, you know we were it was always just such a collaborative atmosphere, week in and week out, even when we did things like on you know, on, on camera, when we were on Twitch and recording those ways uh, live. Um, and I thankfully don't get nervous anymore each time we start, <laughs> right? Because I just know that I am among people who I, I, I trust and, and who trust me and, and that we can, we can have a hopefully entertaining conversation each time we, we get together and talk. And, and, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, part of me, um, really appreciates that. And then being able to create this book with Shelly. Uh, you know, I, I've done some writing, I've, I've published some things, but nothing quite as, um, gratifying as, as, as working on this, as well as, you know, burying our soul a bit in this book about all of the things that we've, we've been talking about here so far, uh, has been really a wonderful experience. And I, and I think it's given me a little bit of creative mojo back that I might have lost, um, since I, uh, wasn't, um, you know, creating stuff for myself for, for about a decade or so. That's how it's touched me. I don't know. Shelly, can you live up to that? <laughs> I should have went first. <laughs> it's all right. She- you know, Shelly, you can lie. That's fine. No. You know? uh, I I will say that I am continuously inspired by the people that play this game. And I think we're incredibly lucky that we get to do this for our day jobs. And it is a job. Like I do not have a trust fund, even though I ask my dad often like are you sure (laughs) do i have to keep working i do want to work i actually get really excited to come to my job every day because i know the impact that this game has on people and i'm constantly reminded of that either by the people that we get to talk to every week or the people who listen to this podcast and will drop us a note once in a while and tell us hey I, i listened to this episode and it was really inspiring the thing that your guest said on there and like or having a guest say i was on dragon talk and i made someone reached out to me and now i made this connection and now you know i'm actually making a little bit of a living in this in this doing what i love doing now and so it's you just constantly have that reminder of the work that you do really does matter that this game is more Mm -hmm. than just a fun way to pass hours with your friends it's more than just entertainment it's more than just a game it really does make such a big difference in people's lives and i love that i get to be part of this community and just like feeding off of this wonderful creative energy that people are constantly putting out there yeah i'm glad you mentioned that and and something you've talked about already in this interview, some you talk about in the book, talk about the podcast, but <laughs> but about how obviously your podcast being being just a long running, established, very good interview podcast, but the Wizards of the Coasts interview show is a big is a big platform to be sharing with people, obviously. Um, and I, I know people who have been on it and and have you know kind of been able to in, enjoy the like the experience and the connections made afterwards. Um, but but you can you guys can do and do do a lot of lifting. Um, and is that something that you guys how do you carry that? I guess what's mm. 
what is the experience of kind of knowing how big of an impact you guys can have on, on creators, on passionate people and being able to spotlight what they're doing, who they are, um, you know, how, how do you guys connect with that and navigate that kind of, I don't know, responsibilities is what it feels like, uh, to me in my limited, uh, capacity. And now I'm really nervous about it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it was such a big responsibility. Oops. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What are we doing? Is, I'm sorry you had to find out now as you're about to release a, a published book and <laughs> after having done it for seven years from me. But oops. Oopsie. Yeah. I mean Well, I get I get embarrassed each time like someone like like B. Dave Walters is the one that comes to mind where it feels like anytime I interact with him, he makes sure to remind me that uh and the public uh, that uh you know he would not have be as big in the D D community if it wasn't for for me uh calling him one time uh to come and be a part of the stream of many eyes. And it's uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess embarrassed is probably the word. And, like it feels like <laughs> that's reasonable, I, don't I know. think. I don't really feel like it, it's 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 anything that is about me or or Shelly individually because we feel mm -hmm. very strongly about the D and D community as a whole, and I feel like we're just shining the lights on the folks that are doing the amazing stuff. And sure, I you know we're 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 ma uh, making some decisions on where to point those lights, but it is the people's that are reflecting the light that we're shining yeah. that is that is the real star honestly uh so i don't i don't ever think about it on those grander terms honestly i just really get excited about meeting new people mm -hmm. who have that passion around this game and um I, I, the word that shelly said earlier inspired constantly each week inside and out and that is such a boon to uh our day jobs as shelly said because <laughs> You know, you can very honestly, even if you're working on something that is a passion project, sure. being reminded of it week in and week out from, um, you know, some people who are who are uh, we're close to and some people that are strangers, is gratifying. And I don't, I don't think I think it does buoy us up and continue to lift us up to to get the word out about D and D books and things like that. So it is it is a responsibility, but I also think of it as a as a blessing, yeah. as as something that you know we we uh, feel very um, grateful to to be a steward of. And yes. and kind of a sorry, please, Shelley, if you had no, any plus anything one, to add. plus one. Yeah. Inspiration granted. Perfect. Um <laughs> and, and kind of as an extension of that, and something that is certainly the case for me, but I think a lot of the people who listen to our show, it's a lot of, you know, kind of smaller creators and and people who are still very much in the feeling out how to navigate in the wider, you know, public sphere and how to how to network, how to identify key partners and good partners and just good people and also excise bad people, you know, um, and mm. set limits and do that appropriately for me and for our listeners uh, as people who have been managing that sort of a platform for as long as you have and at a, a high level. Do you have any words of advice when it comes to what's the way to say it to like navigating bad actors, navigating people who like, ah, oh, we collaborated with this person a while ago. And it turns out I don't want to be associated with this person anymore. I was just curious if you guys had any any wisdom to pass on to kind of guard and create a, a community. Well, I um 
I spend a lot of time on Twitter to to, to pay attention to mm-hmm. what's happening in the D and D community as well as in the greater world. And I don't understand when people say things like, "Oh, Twitter's a hellscape" or "Twitter's <laughs> awful." I hate it because mm-hmm. I have cured. I mean, I've been using it since two thousand seven, two thousand eight, something like that. And I have very heavily curated my feed uh, by blocking whoever I like, <laughs> whoever I choose to. If, mm-hmm. if they are saying something that. I feel it crosses a line in any way. It's an instant block for me. And I don't know if, if it's because of this or if it's just because of uh, the people I do associate with and the people I do interact with, the algorithm knows that uh, it has made uh, Twitter feel like a positive thing for me. And I don't, I don't see the negativity uh, around that. And I think that's true of the, uh, any community uh, you have to, uh, positively reinforce people who are acting in in in, in good faith and <laughs> ignore slash block the people who are operating in bad faith. And sometimes those change, and it's okay, and it's all right to, um, you know, uh, to to make those decisions as new information is 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 available. Mm-hmm. Makes plenty of sense to me. <laughs> yeah, right? um, and uh, and there's such a good networking tool yeah. out there, and and that's why you know, and again, that's why you find folks like, uh, like like your podcast who is is elevating by interviewing them, and I think that's what we aim to do with Dragon Talk is to, you know, shine the positive light out there, right? And the absence of that light is also a an important information bit. Yep, absolutely. Um, I had one last question about kind of Dragon Talk itself and your experience with it before moving on to the book, which I have also more fun questions about. <laughs> All right. um, but I, I, something that I find very endlessly just fun about you guys and about the book and about kind of your rapport, you guys have been working together on this project and just generally for many years now. And... And you have already, just today, learned something new about each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Um, and so what has it been like having kind of one co-creator? Obviously, there are a lot of other things. There's producers. There are guests. There's many, many pieces that go into the podcast puzzle. But just for you guys as hosts and getting to sit down at least once a week and interviewing, going through the fun, sometimes personal process of connecting with creators. How has that affected you guys interpersonally with each other? And what has that kind of relationship meant to you guys, if you don't mind me asking? I love that question. Yeah. Really sweet. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, I think we're like pretty good friends now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dot, dot, dot. Uh, right? Like, <laughs> right? Yes. Do you we like are. me? Check one. Yes. No. We, yeah. uh, Greg and I, so we met on a, I think the first time we met, met in person was on a panel. Yeah. And I, PAX East with Ethan Gilsdorf. And I thought, I thought <laughs> that Greg was very, very nice. And I knew him from his role at The Escapist when he got the job at Wizards, which we write about in the book. And I met his wife, Erin. That's when I knew that Greg and I were going to be like, really good friends because I love Aaron so much and like he's just gonna have to deal with me forever because <laughs> I just want to be best friends with you his wife friends or else. I'm just gonna always gonna be around but it has been a really like Greg and I get to do like 
we're doing this together. You know, like we, we talk to these creators together. We hear the stories together. We're constantly sharing our own stories together on the podcast. And it's like our little thing that we're experiencing together. And then it goes out in the world and then other people get to experience it. But as it's happening, it's just, it's like our little thing. And then writing a book with someone is like the biggest trust exercise you can do yep. it's a like we are contractually obligated to write this book together <laughs> and we cannot screw each other over and we have to be like respectful of each other's time and deadlines and like i did not want to disappoint greg at all i was like i'm gonna write the best little book i can <laughs> and i'm gonna turn it in on time and i'm Still probably not going to know how to use commas, but that's okay. That's why we have editors. <laughs> exactly. For. That's what copy editors are for. But now it's like, actually, today, we, I got a copy of it today in the mail. I and saw, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure that Greg's is like in his mailbox somewhere. He, we, because also Greg I and I live checking. like a mile and a half away from each other. <laughs> um, it's just like seeing our names on this book together. Yeah. This is very, very special. So, yeah. And, you know, our families love each other. So we do hang out a lot socially. Um, my son and Greg's daughters are BFFs, if not like slightly annoying when they're together. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how you truly know a childhood good friend is when your parents are a little annoyed by you. Yeah, a totally. little annoyed, yeah. but they're they're born great. only two days apart, which was also really interesting. Wow. Like, oh, yeah, wow, they're, they're, exact they're same age. Close. Yeah, both yeah. have a weird obsession with Pennywise. <laughs> uh, they like to be scared but also hate to be scared to they be do they like to like act out weird little remember we were like we were having dinner and we just kept <laughs> shouting out scenarios and then they would act them out we're like you're a barista at starbucks and you screwed up this guy's order go and they're like throwing each other over the couch and just like yeah they're it all worked it was perfect we, yeah we do think like they're the future hosts of dragon talk <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, an ancestral podcast <laughs> You hand it down. Exactly. <laughs> Elaborate crowning ceremonies. Uh, you pass off the mic oh. and headsets to them. Yeah, whole thing. Yeah. I, I love mean, it so much. I do it. Right. Yeah. And I think I think our friendship is a big secret to making this podcast continue <laughs> and why it's entertaining for people because we truly just make each other laugh uh with our you know stupid poop jokes and <laughs> funny voices and there's i remember there were some times um when we were working in the office together and we'd be catching up around our desks and we'd be like oh wait no stop we're laughing too much we gotta save this for the podcast <laughs> can't, don't don't tell me this story Hardship. right now i know it's gonna be funny but you gotta tell me you know in two hours when we're on camera yep. um and, and make that happen and i love that and i think that's a really important part of uh why this works at all right and so i mean there were and early on we had to look figure out when to talk and when not to talk so that we weren't you know constantly talking over each other's guests we don't still always get that right but no. what we've gotten is that we just it's it's we we trust each other so much and this book was amazing to write with shelly shelly had written two other previous dnd yep. uh centric books uh, in a very funny amazing voice that i was you know i was like i hope i can live up to to that and, <laughs> and uh, write it in something that can make, can make sense. And again, I didn't want to let down Shelly either when we were writing. And I think it was, in hindsight now, one of the best experiences to write a book with someone on a project like this because it was a constant co-host, right? It was it was not sure. a, the, the entire weight of this book is on my shoulders. It was on both of our shoulders. And we could 
you know, share the load when we needed to, or lift each other up when we needed to. I mean, there were certainly points where I was like, this essay sucks. You're going to hate it. And <laughs> she would read it and she'd be like, Dad, what are you talking about that? I laughed like throughout the entire thing. This was great. I'm like, really? I thought it was hot garbage, you know, and then vice versa. I mean, sometimes you'd be like, oh, this is terrible. And I was like, oh no, I laughed, you know, and we'd be writing late at night, you know, at the end of our day jobs after our kids are asleep um, sometimes. And it was really great to be able to see uh, Shelly in the document that I was in uh, doing, working on different parts of it. And then, the just, you know, being there and seeing each other, even if we weren't even interacting, just the fact that we both knew that we were both working on something at the same time <laughs> was enough to, yeah. to feel really connected. Uh, and I don't think I would have, uh, you know, had that experience if I was doing this by myself. Right. And so I think by, um, uh, by having this such an amazing like writing partner, it was, I don't know, I, it, 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 it inspired me even more, even just beyond the content and what we were making. I was like, Oh man, maybe we can write more books together. Shelly. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of episodes. I mean, that's true. That's true. It could easily be a Dragon Talk part two through like <laughs> more uh, inspiring 14, stories. Probably. <laughs> um, so I know that you guys got approached to do the book. Uh, the it's University of Iowa, correct, is your publisher. Yep. Am I remembering that correctly? I, right. I knew it, but it's one of those where it's like, I'm going to say this wrong for sure. Nope. <laughs> um, but you got, you got approached to, to do it and said, Hey, do you want to write a dragon talk book? And then you said, yes, sure. I would like to do a dragon talk book. Was that on the radar for you guys at all? Kind of uh, before that got floated your direction? Not really. No, I, we uh, uh, had not even really talked about Well, we talked about like doing um you know, expanding, trying to get more people to listen to Dragon Talk. That's about it. But we had never really thought about uh, going into a completely different format like this. Uh, and it wasn't until Shelly was uh, approached and and uh, we were like, is this legit? Is this an actual real inquiry by an actual editor from an mm -hmm. actual press that we were like, well, OK, maybe this has got some legs. Maybe we can actually do this. The book is very is structured very interestingly um, mm. and written very interestingly. But I guess I'll first ask kind of the, the you know, the million dollar question, the gorilla in the room question. You've done 300 some episodes. How did you get it down to 29? How did you, <laughs> how, how did you pick? Because, I mean, they're all great. And these are all like, oh, yeah, these are 29 people of your list that, yep, that makes sense that these guys are all all included. But how did you go through all of that backlog and be like, here are the ones that, that we're going to do for this book? Uh, well, yeah, that's so hard. It was, yeah. we didn't, we didn't, we knew, we didn't know 29, but we knew we were going to, we couldn't write about them all. That just wasn't going to work. <laughs> um, but I think initially we just came up with a list. Like there were some that just rose right to the top. Sure. And if it were up to me, like I would probably write an entire book just of like teachers using D and D in classrooms, yeah. therapists just using D and D in classrooms. Cause I love those. Those are my type. Um, but we obviously needed to like mix them up a little, but it, we each had a group of, of interviews that really Im were Im impactful to us personally that touched us in uh, a way that not to say that the other one was like, meh, didn't care about that one, mm -hmm. but it was like something about it stood out to one of us more than the other. We only had like one crossover on really? we, like had our lists. Um, if that's yeah, I think that we yeah, I think we only had one person that we were like, we both want to write about this person. Um, and it just some of them just made sense that like I felt like Greg would be more equipped to write about 
a guest um, than I was. But uh, yeah, I think it was mostly a like the bulk of them just organically rose to the top. And then we did also, you know, want to make sure that we were representing sure. a, a large swath of the community that people were getting a chance to read an essay about, oh, this is a, a, a famous actor in Hollywood yeah. and a state senator. And, oh, this is a person who uh, created a Girl Scout badge, a TRPG Girl Scout badge. And uh, this is an amazing uh, wrestler and um, the creator of, of She-Ra. We wanted the book to really represent the Dungeons and Dragons community in the best possible way that it could. Yeah. And I, I just to jump on that a little bit, it was really Shelley's um, tone slash instinct to not just write the essay yeah. about what was in the interview, yeah, but that personal connection and being able to tell more of our stories that maybe we didn't, we might've alluded to in the interview, but, but give more voice to why this interview was impactful to us personally as, as, as hosts and just tell a little bit more about that. And so yeah. I don't think I really grokked that as how we were going to write these, even though that was part of the proposal um, until we started <laughs> to see the sample chapters that Shelly was writing. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is going to be uh, uh, not, not directly co comparison, but like similar to um, uh, confessions of a part-time sorceress and things like that, where it's like, all right, how can we, how can we get stories that aren't just that, you know, if people had listened to this interview, yeah. they were still get something more out of it because of what we're bringing to uh, this essay about it. Right. And so that unlocked so much more to me and, and allowed me to be like, okay, I can use, I can use what we talked about in the interviews and these individual peoples as jumping off points to tell about different aspects of ourselves as well as the D and D community. And once that kind of clicked for me, I was like, Oh, okay, this is some of the essays just flowed out of us. Cause we were like, Oh, yeah, okay, I, can you know, I can do this because they end up being, um, you know, almost like little, little, little personal essays through the lens again of, of D and D and, and this previous interview that we had recorded. It was also really weird to throw this mm -hmm. out there. It was also really weird to go back to listen to our old episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And what was really funny about that. And Shelia <laughs> said this before too, is that we will hear someone saying something. And I, I had this experience too, where I was listening and a, the joke came to my mind of like, oh, I'm going to tell this joke. Yes. And then I said the joke. The, the, me as the host in the real time said the joke that I was thinking yeah. about because I'd forgotten I had made that joke before and I am still the same person <laughs> that would say those stupid, stupid I, I, I Listening to both the interviews and our actual play podcasts has happened to me more than I would care to admit for sure. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I bet this, and like even for other people, it's just, it's a, it's trippy. Um, but I think that's the sign of a good joke, but yeah, it's I, like, I, right. Okay. That's what it is. Right. It's is classic. that in retrospect, we're like, well, of course that's the joke because that was the joke. That was the um, joke. But, really but yeah, that was something that really stood out to me. You have a really excellent and long kind of like preamble section that, that I'll, I'll ask about. But when I got to those, the actual, the interviews, I was very surprised at the structure because it is not a transcript. No, and that is important to mention. <laughs> it is, it's, it is, it, it, like you said, it is personal essays. And I thought that was a really excellent choice. Um, again, especially, like you said, to bring in new perspectives for someone who had heard that before. Um, and I, I'm curious, what was it like bringing yourself into kind of the narrative and your experiences and your emotions and that kind of stuff. Cause I know, I know for me as an interviewer, I try to obviously shine the spotlight as much on not me as humanly possible, but 
you guys are writing the book and not only are you kind of bringing your personal anecdotes into the sub chapter or into the chapters, but in the preamble talking about how you got involved in D&D, how you, you know, kind of experienced the edition wars and like all kinds <laughs> of really personal stuff. So what was that like, you know, kind of getting in that headspace and making it more personal than just quote unquote, the podcast and, and the interviews would be normally, if that makes sense. Well, I, I, uh, I'll jump in here and you can, yeah. you can jump in later, Shelly. Um, that experience was something I did not realize mm -hmm. was going to be important to me. We wrote the essays, most of the essays first, and then sure. we wrote the, the introduction and that, uh, uh, kind of history of, of, of our, both our, uh, in, in connection with the game and everything like that. And I'm really glad we did that because it allowed us to, sh to do all the research and, and look back at all the essays and all the, the interviews that we had done and then set the stage for those interviews. And by doing so, we knew what we needed to, to set the stage for. Like yeah. I, I might not have gone into depth about the growth of the D and D community from the seventies to the, mm -hmm. to the, uh, to the 2000s. If I w hadn't written the um, essay around Tanya to pass, for example, right. I was like, Oh yeah, there needs to be some context for, for why this is important and why that was a, a, a illustrative interview. Um, and then in, in so doing, it also became like this idea for me, at least of talking about some of the decisions that we made uh, in in the D and D brand to yeah. do what we did and how and how we created mm -hmm. events and how we brought in so many people from different parts of the um, community where in the past uh, it might have been just very much like here we're making books you buy them or you don't yep I, I, I like being able to, I liked being able to show that there was you know, some of the thought process yeah. behind it and so in some ways it became like a record of of you know the last seven years of working on the D and D brand in a way that you don't necessarily get to see too often from from the official histories or anything like that. Like obviously there's you know there's lots of of, of academia and, and John Peterson who was someone we've had on the mm -hmm. the podcast before talking about going back into into looking at the history of things like that. But I I wanted to have this idea of like oh no this was this was this era this was uh, uh, you know from 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 2015 when I started to um, to now and, and where we take it from there. So I, it became really important to me to, to get, I get that down and be like, okay, no, this is, this is what, 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 uh, what the D and D brand was and what we were thinking about at the time. And then hopefully it will propel us into what we're going to be doing in the future. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was, that was really interesting to make it more personal and about our, our yeah. small little bits of impact on, on, you know, what people think of as the D and D brand as a whole. I, I like that kind of writing and mm -hmm. reading, but as, as a reader, I love memoirs and essay collections. And as a writer, I find that I like, I like writing about my own experiences as a way of like trying to connect with people. I especially like to write yeah. about parenting and how incredibly hard it is and all the <laughs> things that nobody really tells you. Um, Cause I just believe in being honest, but D and D especially is, is just, it's all about connections. It's all about the storytelling too. Yeah. So I, I do, it felt natural for us as the co-hosts of this podcast and the co-authors of this book that to explain to people why this conversation made such an, an impact on the two of us. So that was, I think, I guess the reasoning behind Totally. behind that and yeah. I, we didn't want it just to be a a transcript right and then he said this and then greg laughed and then this happened <laughs> <laughs> we thought that was very funny <laughs> <laughs> there we go yeah it's, it's a book about a podcast about a game <laughs> it's like a little a little Layers. russian doll of of mediums yeah. <laughs> 
And as part of that, we had a lot more uh, footnotes. There's a lot of footnotes in here yeah. now. A lot of them yeah. are explaining, explaining references as well as internal <laughs> uh, jokes. Um, I'll let you know. There was a lot more than there are currently uh, initially because we had so much fun uh, responding to each other's essays, right? Oh, We're, awesome. And yeah. so th th those little bits of jokes that we were making uh, to each other in audio form uh, during the interviews, we did that in, in text form <laughs> as footnotes. And probably better uh, that our editor was like, maybe we should do less of those. They're like so um, insidery. But... but we were laughing so much and I was like, what? These are great. This is comedy gold. We gotta get So uh, I love that because it, it, it made it feel more like a podcast to me. Like had to be more of a back and forth conversation where you're not, you know, obviously the essays are all written mostly from our, our singular perspective, but there's still a little bit of voice of, of, of Shelly and mine and, and, and vice versa. Definitely. I, I just really dig that. Something you brought up and something that was also surprising to me as I was going into the book was there like the first, I think like 30 ish pages are not just your history of the history of D and D like you said, are, are like the, some insider insider baseball kind of thing. Some, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's very robust. And it was like for the first time I considered like, wait, someone who maybe did not, listen to this podcast or does not know what D&D &D is or hasn't played D&D &D, might be reading this book. <laughs> so what do you hope both for fans of the podcast and or fans of D&D &D and people who are not maybe not familiar with the podcast or maybe not familiar with D&D &D or, or these particular creators or whatever, what do you kind of hope that people take away from, from the book? What's, you know, what, what did you guys have in mind to try and capture and express um, as you were as you were taking all of these interviews and and just pulling on them and adding your own personal story and highlighting other personal stories to to hopefully have people connect with? I think for me, it's the same thing that I had in mind writing the first two D and D books, and that is just trying to capture the magic of this game yep. and why it matters to so many people and whether or not you're a, a fan of D&D or if you're new to D&D or you have never experienced D&D in your life if you pick up this book I hope that it leaves you with an understanding of how important it is to people and I hope that you feel inspired by the ways that that this game has touched people's lives yeah yeah, I mean, I, I'll underline that for sure. And uh, the reason why we, there is so much preamble before we get to the interviews is because we realize that there, you, you kind of need some context. You kind of need to yeah. understand why these interviews were important for us to choose and write about. And as <laughs> you said, there there are going to be people who are going to read this book who have no framework of what D&D is or very little. Right. And so they won't understand really why some of these stories mm -hmm. were so impactful unless they get at least some of that context. And we try to do that in, a, in the most entertaining way possible. So it doesn't feel like a like a like a dry stay of dissertation you know, kind of thing. Here's yeah. the history of what happened here. You know, so we try to keep the the kind of informal, casual, jokey tone from our interviews and our essays about those interviews and, and keep those in the, in the preambles. Um, but yeah, no, it was all done with that context and hopefully, you know, and then we have a little bit of a, of an outro, uh, uh at the end of, of the essays that is about like, okay, if you are inspired by some of the things you've read here, here's how you can start playing D and D. So I really still, still hope that 
there are folks out there who are D and D curious, who may pick up this book or get this, you know, uh, book as a gift as to be like, here's a good introduction to what D and D is that doesn't, that isn't reading a manual that isn't reading how to play. It's reading what, why, why are there so many news stories about it out there right now? Why is it shown in stranger things and as this bonding moment for these kids, why is it, you know, why is there going to be this huge paramount picture that's coming out honor among thieves that it's, you know, it's yeah. going to get hopefully even more people involved in this community. Um, I want it to be that guidepost of like, you know, not just our experiences and why the D and D community is cool, but like, here's a sign of being like, here's why you should join it. Here's why you should be a part of this and, and what you could get out of it. I think I have, I have two last quick questions before the infamous lightning round, All right. um, <laughs> but it, it occurred to me, and, and you guys have alluded to it, I think, a little bit, but of listening back to all these old episodes, right? Especially the really impactful ones, the ones that sprung to mind. Was there anything to you about the process of going back and reviewing that you, you know, kind of were surprised at or that you really appreciated about the process of really sitting down and turning these things into a book and into something that you reflected on and kind of reconnected with? I loved seeing how the community grew over from the the first interviews to the very last interviews. Just like when we talked to content creators seven years ago, like there's so much more content and like they're in mediums that did not exist seven years ago that now are a thing. And also just really like to see how like the, the, the scope of guests that we were, that Mm. we get to talk to has, has also kind of widened that like Greg has alluded to like some, People who, uh, you know, are are well known in their fields and just happen to be big D&D fans are like, you know, I, I want to be on your podcast. I want to come talk to, to <laughs> D&D. Like Senator, who at the time, Senator Hobbs, now Washington State Sec- uh, State Secretary. But we we were like blown away by his email, like really like pitching himself hard to be on Dragon Talk. <laughs> And we were like, are we going to get arrested if we say no? Like, what? <laughs> Politically, it's very important. You take is this bad? Are we allowed? Yeah. Is this like mandatory now? Um, we're opposite. We're t- Should we not be doing it? Are yeah, we technically are we breaking idea? some sort of law? He ended up, he was he was a wonderful guest. So, uh, yeah, for me, I just loved it. It's a really cool way to see like the growth of the D and D community. Yeah. And I will, I will second that and say, what's interesting too, is that, you know, this was a really interesting part of D and D's history because when, when I started in March, 2015, it was the same week that critical role premiered on Twitch. Yeah. And that changed so much, right. That changed everything, uh, as, as, as people saw others playing D and D entertainingly, no one thought that was a thing. Actors Incorporated had been growing as we, we kind of talk about this in the history of DD and how it's grown from there but like the the period here of uh growth in the DD community is really unprecedented and it didn't really start until right when this podcast yeah. started and got into its stride and so it was really really kind of great to look back and see like oh yeah no during during this this period there's there was a lot of change and let's document that and get that going so i think that was that was really kind of cool Speaking of looking back, looking forward, what do you guys hope for Dragon Talk? You know, like years down, years down the line, 
Um, what direction do you hope it goes? What wishes do you have? And this can be for the show itself or, or for you guys as hosts or kind of whatever, whatever that means to you, you know? I, I mean, who knows what the future holds? I do hope that uh, my son and Greg's daughter take over one day. <laughs> yeah. I do hope that uh, Dragon Talk can continue as a, a platform to continue shining that light on our community and that it's helping creators um, find their people, find their community, and just continuing to show the world how how wide this community really is and that, you know, no matter what you do, who you are, what you think you're into, there's probably a place for you here at someone's table. So join us. Welcome to Dragon Talk and welcome to Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> And uh, as Joe Manganello says on the back of the book, uh, we're the, we're the Regis and Kathy Lee of <laughs> the D&D world. I want that to be a reality. I want us to be uh, on a morning talk show, sipping white wine. Maybe oh. maybe that's more Kathy Lee and, and Hoda Kotby. We um, we've always felt like we were Kathy and Hoda. I mean, like, yeah, I great. Joe sees us differently, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and being able to to have the uh, such a. Um, you know, a larger platform to be able to talk to even more, as you said, the, the responsibility of that, like I, I hadn't really even considered it, but now I'm like, man, there should be, it should be bigger. It should be, even, you know, <laughs> yeah. beyond all of that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's my, my hope for, for the growth to, to, uh, you know, go above and beyond and Perfect. drink white wine in the morning. That's what I want to do. Mm, that's, that's yeah. the, I mean, may we all be so blessed with our podcast project <laughs> to enable us to drink white wine in the morning. Right. Um, you guys, it is now time for the gauntlet I'm scared. of the Reckless A Talk lightning round. Uh, I tell everyone the same things. These questions are the same for every single creator that we have on the show in the same order. There is no wrong answers. Uh, you can It can be a one-word answer. It can be a long-winded, well, this reminds me of the time uh, kind <laughs> of thing, and then we go on a whole thing. Uh, it can even be, you know, I don't think I have a good answer for that. And that is all... All acceptable, all supported. Uh, I will try to give a reasonable amount of pause to be like, oh, they're not, okay, they're not saying anything else? Cool. And then we will move on with the next question. I will try to limit my own blabbering as much as humanly possible, unless you say something, you know, really weird or cool that I'd like, I have to ask. Um, <laughs> we'll go, we'll go, we'll go Shelly, then Greg as the trade-offs. Um, and again, there's no wrong answers. And there's also, it's not like timed. So <laughs> if you need a moment to think or whatever, that is encouraged. Are you ready for the ready. lightning round? Yes, I'm nervous. I'm ready. Question one. Mm -hmm. Is your glass half full or half empty? Half full. Half full. What excites you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? I am excited when I creativity excites me creative. Like when I am on a roll, when I am in a project, when I'm feeling creative about something, I feel like every other part of my life benefits from that. Mm. Uh, like I feel like I'll even eat healthier. I will sleep better. <laughs> I will be better at my day job. I'm a better mom. If I have like those creative juices constantly flowing, conversely, if they're not flowing, all of that also I'm like the Feywild, like the mood, my mood like, will just be like, ooh, the flowers are dying. Oh, they're blooming again. So, yes, I think creativity is what excites me. I think 
completing something excites me. Uh, a deadline, I think. I think oh, yes. Is, uh, you know, you hear those stories. If people enjoy the process of writing or having written, I'm probably in the latter camp where I like having <laughs> it done and complete and talking about it. So the experience of talking about Welcome to Dragon Talk, even though I enjoyed writing it with you, Shelley, I'm very glad I don't have to write it anymore. <laughs> I'm really glad like, too. Nope, we did it. It's done. Let's, uh, let's tout it from the rooftops. The book has, in, has been booked. Mm-hmm. It has been booketed. What does not excite you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? I I think any kind of fear, self-doubt, or being too inside my head. Like, this isn't going to be good. Nobody's going to want to do this or see this or read this. Or I don't know how to do that. That's too hard to figure out. No, just plow forward and do it. Gregory? I am going to (laughs) say conflict. Which is a Ooh. weird thing. Ooh. It's not necessarily dramatic conflict, but I mm-hmm. don't like when uh, maybe I'll say maybe I'll say um, needless conflict or, mm. or disrespectful conflict, right? Where like I feel like that sucks my energy out of a project mm-hmm. immediately. What is your favorite sound? The cork on a champagne bottle. <laughs> popping <laughs> that is a good one it's usually like meaning that something good has happened yeah or friday friday is uh, a good friday thing. is a good thing though <laughs> i am gonna say uh shelly's c3po <laughs> oh dear <laughs> I'm glad you said it because that was that was that those are the kind of few exceptions that I make for it's like well I can't not ask like I I, I try to be reserved but like I would have had to have asked so I, I appreciate you going uh, not for it. good on demand <laughs> what sound do you hate oh I hate the sound of certain creators on YouTube that my son loves to watch when they just <laughs> scream needlessly like don't scream so loud so i don't know how to bucket that but just like unnecessary stop being i feel like my mom when i say that like oh just stop screaming it's annoying (laughs) also chew with your mouth closed (laughs) right the worst (laughs) the worst i gotta say it every time now like come on uh mine is also kid related though uh you know those there's these those tubes (laughs) That you they get constrict, yes. and then when yes. they open up, there's like, yeah. yes, the most annoying sound in the world, and it drives me crazy. And I don't understand why they exist. Uh, and if they if I see them unattended, I immediately throw them away and or <laughs> Just improving the world one weird crinkly stick at a time. <laughs> what yep. is your favorite word? Swivel. It's like um. It magnanimously oh good one what is your least favorite word spatula (laughs) what's the matter with spatula i'm contractually obligated to not ask don't like it (laughs) i don't know if i have a least favorite word let me think um um no oh good one what D&D monster or foe have you not faced or run that you would love to? I've never faced a rust monster. I just feel like I would love to see one of those. 
I have not fought against, I guess in a long time. Um, I think I might, I might've actually fought, Never mind. but I was going to say like a really ancient dragon. Like mm. I haven't, I haven't gone up against mm -hmm. a, uh, a super intelligent, um, uh, you know, iconic dragon. I've fought lesser ones, but not, not the ancient ones. What is your favorite adventure of all time? And it can be, of course, a D&D adventure, but it could be uh, an adventure movie, 1999's The Mummy, for example. Or it could be <laughs> one that you can that you watched on an actual play. It can be one you experienced, one you wrote, whatever that means to you. Okay, well, given that context, I'm going to change my answer, and I'm going to say The Goonies, classic. Ooh. Would love that. Mm. Would love to to play that as a D&D adventure. Yeah. Um I'm going to say Out of the Abyss. Um, nice. It was one of the first ones I worked on when I first got to Wizards of the Coast. And I like it because it has that uh, uh, lack of resources to start mm. where you don't, you can't, getting from point A to point B in the Underdark is, is an adventure unto itself. So I loved that uh, desperation and the cast of characters that are introduced early on are really iconic uh, and I love stool and I will always <laughs> love stool. And we get a wedding in there too. And there's, mm -hmm. a wedding. there's, there's so much great stuff in that adventure. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite tabletop role-playing game character of all time? And again, it can be one of yours. It can be an NPC. It could be one that you watched. It can be whatever it means to you. I am going to say, Oso de la Fez, which was a familiar that my tiefling wizard, Tabitha Sparkles, had with her. He uh, was very, very divisive amongst my D&D party. <laughs> half of them pretended they couldn't see him, and the other half were just like, eh, whatever, he's here. But yes, he Oso de la Fez, the rescued circus bear. Yeah, I was going to say, that's in the book, if I recall correctly. He, I, yeah. Uh, you have a brief mention. I have probably mentioned him, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um i am gonna go with a recent character that i haven't been able to play uh, a lot recently uh but taryn zay is my bard sorcerer glam rock uh baldur's <laughs> gatian who um is modeled off of like david lee roth and uh, <laughs> david bowie had a baby uh he uses his wands as uh, ampl amplification devices. He wears red leather <laughs> pants and he uses all of his illusion magic to create the light show around him as he dazzles people in the Elf Song Tavern. So that's my favorite character. I want to play more with him. And you need to cosplay him. I know, oh. right? <laughs> but like, yes, though. <laughs> yes. I said need. This has yes. to happen. It's, it's a requirement. Final question. What gives you hope? I feel very hopeful about our um, school initiatives and knowing that there are kids all around the world at, that are going to be introduced to Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it is something that they become inspired by and it unlocks their little imaginations and they form friendships that they'll carry with them for the rest of their lives. And they're all going to reap the benefits that we know this beautiful little game mm -hmm. can help them so we, we dedicate uh this book to our mm -hmm. kids and becoming dungeon masters in their own right perhaps and so like shelly i believe the children are our future and <laughs> if we teach them well um, they will lead the way 
That's lead the way down a dungeon. Was that in the book? Or I don't know. It just seems it seems really You know what? Yeah. I'm gonna write that down. That's really <laughs> right? good. Really put inspiring. That Greg Tito. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Shelley, congra- congratulations. You have Thank run you. the Reckless Attack Gauntlet. Uh <laughs> And gotten through the lightning round. Thank you for being here as a reward to yes. get that final XP, the treasure that is not a mimic at the end of the dungeon. Uh, hmm. Could you please take advantage of one last opportunity to tell everybody who you are, where they can find you, how to support you, all the good stuff? Yes. Please f- listen to Dragon Talk wherever you listen to your <laughs> podcasts, such as this one. And uh, look for Welcome to Dragon Talk on store shelves December 5th. But pre-order it now because Order. we heard that you might get it early. So you can pre-order that book from University of Iowa Press's website. You can go to your local favorite bookstore and get it. You can buy it from an online retailer, wherever you like to purchase your books. We do hope that you will pre-order Welcome to Dragon Talk as well. And you can find me uh, at, at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram or on my website at ShellyMazanoble.com. Plus one uh, to all that about Welcome to Dragon Talk. And it makes uh, a great gift, I think, since it comes yeah. out on December 5th. Mm-hmm. It's a great time to get people who are D&D curious in your life and uh, may have had some of the uh, preconceived notions about what D&D is and what D&D players are like. Mm-hmm. And they can read this book and hopefully, uh, you know, reassess those preconceptions. Buy it for everyone is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> the world would be better if more people played D&D. I really do believe that. I um, do too. And so uh, that's that's all about the book. Welcome to Dragon Talk. I am at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Um, I have a lot of fun stuff going on. In addition to Welcome to Dragon Talk, I'm making a movie called Ex-Husband. Uh, yes. We are putting the finishing touches on it now for a, uh, you know, going into festivals. I'll let some more people know about that uh, on my Twitter feed. Uh, you can also follow that Twitter on Ex-Husband Film. Um, I think there's an Instagram as well with that uh, under there. And I like to talk about Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons on Dragon Talk, of course, and Star Trek The Next Generation on my Mm -hmm. podcast called Re-Engage. We're going through each episode of that iconic sci-fi series. We're now in season four. We're recording episodes for that. There's a lot of crossover with some of the folks I even write about here in Welcome to Dragon Talk, our guests on that podcast. Uh, and it's really exciting it's to go back and look at those old episodes through the lens of being older storytellers uh, and imagine a utopia that is the 24th century. It's a better place out there. So if you enjoy <laughs> sci-fi, if you haven't watched uh, Star Trek The Next Generation in a long time, watch it one episode at a time with us and, and uh, be a part of that discussion. Super fun. We will have links to all of those things in the in the whatever's the show notes, the whatever the podcast version of show notes are. Uh, <laughs> guys, thank you so much. I really deeply appreciate this opportunity. Really loved reading the book. Uh, and thank you so much for for all your time and energy and um, everything you've done for the for the community. Well, thank, thank you. you. This was awesome. Yes. I loved talking about all this and I especially love all of your questions. They were, they were in depth and uh, yes. made, us, made us think. So thanks we for really appreciate all the research that you did. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I appreciate you. Um, thank you. Lift you up. Lift, lift. You and lift up. us up. Lift. <laughs> That'll be the last noise everyone hears. Yeah. <laughs> I, love that. I love that it sounds like it's kind of getting cut off, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what happened? <laughs>